Taylor Decker's on my All-22 fantasy team. Stop. They don't care. So the strategic component to this game is through the roof. Your predictions, right, your forecasting in fantasy football into how good is this player? This is going to, it's going to change the industry. Yeah. yeah. I moved to the old town where it goes down. Look at me now. I wrote my goals down. I hold it down. Made myself proud. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the All-22 Podcast. You got Chris and Ray, and we just came out of Championship Weekend, and I don't think it's the outcome a lot of people wanted, uh, but I think if you are an NFC team fan, it's probably the one we needed because I think San Fran probably has the best odds to beat Kansas City, uh, but it, it's just unfortunate. I mean, it's kind of, we, you know, if you're around our age, we watched 15, 20 years of the Patriots just dominating the NFL feels like we're right back there with the Chiefs. And it's, you know, I, I like a little diversity in my football. You know, I would have loved to have seen uh, Lamar Jackson pull that game out, win that game. Uh, but here we are. Yeah. Um, see, I take a different approach. I think I- I'm happy for the Chiefs making the Super Bowl again this year because the NFL just needs more money, you know, and Taylor Swift being a part of the story for the Super Bowl just brings in more money. And that's exactly what the NFL needs at this point in time. So I'm very happy. I am very happy to, you know, to have the Chiefs make the Super Bowl once again and have these awesome storylines to follow for the next two weeks. Storylines are terrible. I mean, the only thing, the (laughs) only thing that I'm kind of excited about is Brock Purdy. Has there ever been a Mr. Irrelevant quarterback's starting a super bowl like I don't know, probably yeah. not even close right yeah probably not um you probably should check that before we we started the pod <laughs> but um no and it, it is it's a clash of two styles which i think is interesting and we're getting we have so much time to talk about the super bowl uh, over the next couple of weeks of course but yeah i mean the strong defense versus the you could call it high flying offense but it's really more so just a high flying quarterback because the receivers have been hit and miss all year mostly miss um but Mahomes again I mean say what you want I mean he really he's taken this team to the Super Bowl yet again and you know we have we'll see what happens we have another rematch of of the Super Bowl from a few years back but yeah strong defense versus strong offense you know you have the contrast and styles there and um I think it's going to be a good game. I, I do. I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, and yeah, that, and the NFL just keeps printing money. So there's that. Do you remember a few episodes ago, we talked about how Lamar, Jaden Daniels, like it's like you just want to see him get smacked sometimes because they're so good at eluding contact that like when you finally see them get hit, it's like, oh, Mahomes eluding sacks is it's like you're you want to rip your skin off because you just want to see him get destroyed, and this might be the game. We got Nick Bosa, we got Chase Young, we got Hargrave. Like we we have some good football players out there that are going to be rushing the passer, and I'm hoping we see Mahomes get hit a few times. And yeah, like props to him, he's amazing. Like we are seeing, prop like it's it's crazy to say, but probably the most talented quarterback we've ever seen in our lives. Right, like Tom Brady was the greatest but he wasn't the most talented. I think Rodgers, you know, you talk about quarterbacks like that, were the most talented. Mahomes is probably the most talented quarterback we've ever seen. I just want to see him get his butt kicked a few times, right? I can't be alone in that. That's yeah, a bit subjective. Some people might say Michael Vick is the most talented because of his cannon and his athletic ability. And I mean, Lamar's up there too. 
but I get what you're saying. It's more so, and this is why when we talk about quarterbacks and we're going to talk about another quarterback here, this episode heading into the draft, but that's why for me, my number one trait in any quarterback that I look for is pocket presence, pocket mobility, the ability to influence the game from the pocket, because as great as Mahomes is, as great as his arm is, and as great as his throwing during improvisation is, like you you said it, eluding those sacks and just working the pocket and just completely manipulating every aspect of the game from the pocket is what makes him so deadly and so frustrating for opposing defenses. When you do that, you just show and display a mastery of football that very few people ever have been able to achieve and display. So um, it, it really is a sight to see. I know, like you said, people got sick of Brady. I'm still at the stage where I'm like, I just love and just marvel at Mahomes and watching him play football. I'm not there yet. I'm not, I'm not sick of him yet. And there's a part of me that's a little conflicted about the idea that a Brock Purdy, no disrespect, would win a Super Bowl instead of someone like Mahomes in two weeks. But again, that's what makes football great is that there's so many different ways to skin a cat. And that's why we have all 22, right? Absolutely. But like, I wanted Lamar too. like, that's the frustrating thing is like Lamar deserved to be in this game. He deserved to be in the Super Bowl. He is going to win his second MVP. And I knocked him a few weeks ago being like, he hasn't won playoff games. Right. And then he showed up, he won a playoff game. He goes into, you know, this game against Kansas city and like he balled out like he did. And like, you talk about eluding pressure and, and keeping composure in the pocket. Lamar has been doing that. Right. And it's, you know, there's that no call on Isaiah Likely in the end zone. And it's like, oh, it's just that frustrating it. That stuff. Mattered. Come Oh my God. Of course it would have mattered. Of course it would have mattered. No, Every, no. what you, what you realize, like the Packer game the other day, the Lions game yesterday, the Ravens game yesterday, like every single play matters, right? Like every non-call matters. Every play matters. Josh Reynolds, if he would have caught one of those passes he dropped, the Lions win that football game. Like it's, it's literally a game of inches, right? Like it's a game of inches. If he catches that football, they win the game and instead they're at home. And it's, it sucks that, you know, like a guy like Lamar can have that level of a season and have his season just destroyed by a non-call Josh Reynolds, right? Like Jared, it was more than the non-call Dan Campbell. Like you're rooting for that team. You're you're thinking they're going to win it. And then Josh Reynolds, like just drops like an easy catch for a first down. Like everybody's ripping Dan Campbell for going for it on fourth down. Josh Reynolds dropped the football. Like it was open. He was open. Jared Goff put it in his chest and he dropped the football. It was a great call. It was, but, but let's, let's stick with the, with the Ravens for, for a minute. They were not composed for the majority of that game. And I think that's what ultimately cost them between the, the, the dumb personal fouls, you're slapping Mahomes in the face mask. You're, you're getting baited by Travis Kelsey, the unsportsman likes the late hits. They were just out of sync and out of sorts. And ultimately you, you have to be on point in every aspect in order to win a, ga- a game against a team that good you can't afford to set yourself back it when the stage is this big. And that's, and that's what they did as a, as a collective team, as a group, they were, they were not composed. And I think you could say the same about the lions in the second half, that they just, they were dropping passes. They, uh, they were kind of stumbling over themselves. Cause I agree the the calls by Campbell were fine. 
and Josh Reynolds dropped two passes. You had the Gibbs fumble. Then you had Jared Goff rolling out to the right and and just throwing that like duck that landed incomplete when you had a receiver breaking open down the right sideline for what could have been a chunk play. It comes down to execution, and that's not just execution between the whistle, but sometimes also after the whistle, which is kind of what burned the Ravens. And um, yeah, that, that composure, it, it matters. And it kind of, you know, it, it, it showed to be a big part of the difference in those games yesterday. You couldn't be more right. Composure is so important. That's what made Brady great, right? Like it didn't matter how much time was left on the clock. He controlled every moment of every game. It didn't matter. Like he kept, he always kept his composure. Mahomes is the same, you know, same cloth. Like he, he's the same kind of guy. But like a, another example, right? If you if you want to forget the penalty on Isaiah Likely in the end zone, say Flowers fumbling in the end zone, like it was a one touchdown game and he fumbled in the end, reaching for the end zone. That's the difference between a win and a loss, right? And like this is a player rookie year had an incredible year. The whole story before the game was about how he's like one of eighteen children, like and his mom died when he was young. It was such a cool story, and this dude fumbles in the end zone and they lose the game by one touchdown. It's like heartbreaking, right? Like you want that team in the Super Bowl, and we're not going to have them. Um, it's unfortunate. I think it's unfortunate for the NFL. I'm going to be completely honest. Yeah. Can't give, can't give opponents that good second chances. That's, that's really all it comes down to. You, you would have been closer and maybe have finished the drive earlier if you don't get the taunting penalty and say what you want. Taunting is soft. Yeah. I, I wish they wouldn't call it right. But, but they did. And even though you got that yardage back a play later, that's still extending the drive and just giving yourself, your unit, another opportunity to make a mistake. And that's ultimately what happened. And it's those little things when the stage is this big that can end up costing you. For sure. Any other takeaways? I'm just I, I'm excited for for the Super Bowl. Um, we had we had a fun playoffs. I think we had the right mix of blowouts and close games and like fun storylines to follow. Uh, I I just take a step back. I appreciate this playoff season the way it played out. It was it was fun. I agree 100. Having like C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love come up and have great games, having the Ravens make it as far as they did, the Lions story just like. Never making a Super Bowl, making it to the NFC Championship, being up by 17 points and blowing it. Like there was a lot of good storylines in this yeah. playoff season. It's a so good script. I definitely good enjoyed script. it. It was a great <laughs> script. Whoever's writing it, like Oscars <laughs> are coming up, I think. They should win some awards. Um, okay, but we're gonna talk about Bo Nix today. A lot of people have been asking about it. I've been seeing comments floating around saying, guys, when are you talking about Bo Nix? We're talking about him today. Um Ray, we always start with first impressions. I think my first impression on Knicks was that he has a very pro style of play uh, when you watch his tape. The first thing you see is like, oh, wow, this guy has a very, he's very fluid. He's very mobile. He's accurate. He can run. He has a very translatable game to the NFL. First impressions can lie sometimes, but I do think there are a lot of positives to his game that will translate. What was yours? He's he he's likable. That that's my first uh, my first impression is that he's likable. You watch him and it's it's fun to watch because of of the movement, uh, quick release, getting the ball out quickly. But then when he's not getting the ball out quickly, he's he can make stuff happen with his legs. He's in command. So yeah, it's it's. I mean, he's the age of a professional quarterback. He's gonna be twenty four years old when he's drafted. So you would expect that he has that sort of 
pro approach uh, to the game. Um, but it, it's it's a fun watch. You get why people like him, and it's totally different. You want to talk about first impressions? I mean, he was bad at Auburn. Um, if you just go back to 2021, I mean, he was he was a bad football player. And he's not anymore. We'll get into the specifics about is is he, uh, you know, what his potential is in the NFL. But this was simply a bad football player just a couple years ago, and now this is someone who's going to be earning an NFL paycheck to play quarterback in the NFL at, at one level or another. So uh, definitely a very, very much a, a big and you know basically astounding progression. Is really the only word that comes to mind uh, for Bo Nix's career. Yes, it was six years, but the improvement was big time. And you have to think about, you know, all the negatives we hear about the transfer transfer portal and NIL and all these things, right? And there are a lot of negatives associated with them. But you also have to look at the positives. A, a guy like Bo Nix wouldn't exist if the transfer portal didn't exist the way it does, right? So we get to see Bo Nix. We got to see that progression. Similar to like Joe Burrow, right? Joe Burrow was a nobody at Ohio State, transfers to LSU and becomes number one pick superstar national champion. Uh, I think Bo Nix maybe didn't have as me- meteor meteor rise as Burrow Meteoric. did. Meteoric. That's I'll help word. you out, Chris. I appreciate it, man. I'm talking quick. You know, I'm the host. <laughs> um, but he did have a, a, a meteoric rise himself. So it is exciting. Um, let's talk about some of the aspects of his game. So the arm. It's funny. I hear all of the comparisons between Drake May and Justin Herbert. But if you look at the, the throwing motion of of Bo Nix. And I'm not just helmet scouting here. Like his throwing motion has a lot of Justin Herbert to him. Uh, He has great elasticity in his arm, great whip coming forward. He's powerful. He has a quick release. I really liked his throwing motion. I didn't have any, any negative thoughts on his throwing motion. No, I I liked it. Like I said before, it's quick. He gets it out quick. It's, it's, it's a confident motion. Um, When he's, when he's on the move, you know, the, 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 the throwing motion is still, you know, pretty compact and, and, and smooth. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be Tony Romo level of quickness. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a good motion, nothing wrong with it. Nothing that, that is of a concern that has to be worked on. Um, I, I, I think it's, I think it's perfectly fine and compact. Absolutely. His arm strength. This one's a little interesting. So my first note on his arm strength is powerful to a fault. And I don't know if you want to start sharing some clips, Ray, but powerful to a fault because he his arm strength is his separator, right? Like there is not a quarterback in this draft season that has as powerful of an arm as Nix does. And that's saying that with with Michael Penix, who has an extremely powerful arm, Bo Nix is his better, right? It is more powerful. He can whip this football. I think it's, you know, a little bit tricky because Yes, he can fit the ball into a tight window. Yes, he can rocket it down the field. But sometimes he doesn't have to, and he just does. Like, there are routes where his receivers are running down the field, and he throws an absolute rocket to them, even though they're open. And he throws it so hard that it almost, like, either knocks them down or they have to make, like, a really difficult catch when they wouldn't have to that throws them off of, like, their progression on their route. And it you lose a lot of yak when that happens. Like, there were probably 10 plays I saw today where – he just throws it way too hard and the receiver just either falls down or didn't get the 10 yards he could have gotten if he had stayed on his route. So powerful to a fault. That's, that's his arm. 
Yeah, I got that a lot growing up, powerful to a fault. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the touch isn't necessarily there. Everything about his game is, in my opinion, just it's, it's speed. It's quick. Everything he does is quick. He makes a quick decision. He gets the ball out quickly and he throws it quickly. He fires it quickly. He doesn't, there, there isn't much touch to his game and that, and that can be a fall, right? I think a lot of the, the top quarterbacks, they have that ability to layer the touch uh, that's needed to, again, put the ball maybe over a linebacker between a safety. You don't see that much on film um, from, from Bo Nix. Uh, a lot of it is, you know, he can throw players open, but he doesn't throw them open with touch. Uh, we saw that 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 play just now here, sort of a a picture perfect throw. The wide receiver literally takes the picture when he catches the pass here along the sideline. There was no touch on that. That was zip, and zip is the name of his game uh, when it comes to throwing like that the play, football more so than that touch. play was great. But like a receiver mm-hmm. in the NFL has to get two feet down, and like if yeah. he hadn't thrown it like that hard, <laughs> the receiver could have. Like that's that's a little bit of what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. The pros pros have to handle that. Um, so, uh, you know, that's, that's one of those things they'll, they'll, they'll get used to in, in the pros, the, 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 the wide receivers are used to that. So, uh, I'm not too worried about that more so than in the middle of the field, uh, some of that zip that needs to be converted to touch. I think that's where you can maybe see some issues or you just have to, that might be a limitation, uh, in any offense that you run with him. Tell me what you think of his accuracy. It's, it's, it's there when, when the play is, when the play is there, I like the accuracy, um, a a lot when he has the, the decision made, it's a quick decision and he just gets the ball out in rhythm. Uh, when he has to sort of abort that initial read and, and either, uh, maybe not extend the play, I guess, extend the play from the pocket. I will say, um, the ball placement isn't the greatest, uh, but it's not necessarily a, a terrible weakness here, right? Uh, you see, he he throws the 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 pass to the tight end here in the window uh, of the body to to allow him to make the catch on the move. So again, I think the ball placement is is fine. It's good, especially when he's in rhythm. Uh, once the play is extended from the pocket, that's when it could be a bit hit and miss, uh, which actually kind of goes for a lot of other aspects of his game as well. Once, once that initial play is not there. Hmm. Yeah. I I thought his accuracy was a positive. It's better than I thought, especially with somebody with his caliber of arm. Uh, You know, you you talk about like uh, Josh Allen in college, how he struggled with accuracy. Uh, I don't see that as a part of uh, Bo Nix's game anymore. I think that, it is also a separator between him and Michael Penix. I talked about how I think his arm is more powerful than Penix, but I also think we talked about how Penix is a bit of a junk baller, right? Like he throws the ball up and he just expects his receivers to make plays. I think Bo Nix did a lot better of a job getting the ball to his receivers in, in, uh, in the, in the window that needed to be right. He didn't just expect the receiver to make a great play. Like he put it in a place for them to be successful. So I did think that was a separator. Um, You mentioned at the beginning of this show, talking about like his pocket presence, his movement, um, his ability to stay calm under pressure with like Mahomes, right? Talking about Mahomes in that way. And you said, oh, I'll bring it back to the podcast. I think now's the time. I want to hear what you had to say. Yeah, he's he's not that. And that's probably my biggest uh, worry or concern with his ceiling is when you just just turn on the tape and just watch. Like I said before, everything is quick, 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 quick. 
I'm really seeing him sort of go through the whole field and front side's not there. Okay. So now I'm going to go to the, to the backside dig or, or whatever the case may be. Everything is um, first read. Okay. I'm reading the safety. It's, it's almost like, you know, how some people are like wizards with Microsoft Excel, right? Like the most advanced formula I can, I can execute in Microsoft Excel is if then, right? I think Bo Nix is an if then quarterback. At the snap, he has his read. He's great pre-snap, by the way, in getting his offense in, in a good position pre-snap. Um, but post-snap, he's an if-then player. If the safety does this, I am going here. If this is taken away, I'm checking it down. And and that's it. There's no advanced sort of three-level formula uh, with, with multiple conditions or whatever else. I'm probably not even using the freaking lingo correctly because, again, I'm, I'm not an Excel whiz, right? But everything you see here is quick, quick, quick. It's out. First read, not there. Okay, first read, check down. First read, check down. And if he goes, if the first read's not there and he doesn't check it down, that's when he extends plays out of the pocket, which is fine. He's got a little of that natural sort of improvisational ability to his game, but he is not a, a master of, of uh, from the pocket of the game of football. He's just not once it's not there and he elects to not take the check down, he's extending the play away from that initial structure. And that is something that's a concern to me when you're talking about a sixth year player, who's going to be 24 years old on draft day. I would want to see that level of mastery post snap from a player like that before he enters the NFL. You see it pre-snap. He gets that offense uh, set in a lot of great situations before the snap. He has the freedom to audible um, and pretty much not do whatever he wants, but he is given that freedom because of his level of mastery of the offense overall. But post-snap, again, he doesn't show that advanced level of decision-making if the defense has the right play call and his initial uh, sort of intention is not there. Hmm. So I'll, I'll never knock a quarterback for a downfall of the scheme, right? So you're talking about Oregon did a lot of quick game, a lot of screens, a lot of sideline to sideline throws. And I'm not going to say that's the reason Bo Nix isn't able to do something else that I would like him to, him to do, which is right. Sit in the pocket, go through a progression and make a play. Um, Saying that the times where he did have to do it, I agree with you. I don't think he was able to do it well. Uh, He's a five-year starter. You would expect him to be able to do this. So that's kind of my biggest concern there. But I will say that it seems like what he does is it's first read and then I'm going to move, right? Like I just, I need to move. I, I have to use my feet. And I'm not saying he always will run instead of going to a second read, but he he's, going outside the pocket. He's moving laterally to try to buy more time, kind of what Mahomes does, but not nearly as talented with it. And exactly what you said, like he doesn't always find that second receiver. He doesn't always find that next progression and he needs to, right? Like that's, that's the whole point of the game. That's how you elevate to become that great quarterback. I think he does lack that. Uh, I will say, I think in the pocket, I really like his drop back. Like, I think he had, like, he's very fluid with his drop back. He has great feet. He's always keeping them alive. He's always active. But I do think that he just bails too often. Sometimes he bails and runs. Sometimes he bails and is still looking downfield. But it's just, it's never, it's never all that great. And you talked about pre-snap. I did see some, some games where he is calling things out pre-snap, whether or not what he calls out is successful. That's another story, but he is 
trying, right? And that's, I think, 24 years old, five-year starter in college. He should be able to do that. And if you're watching the screen next to us, how many running back screens are you seeing, right? It's just, it's it's one after the next, after the next. There's so much of that in that Oregon offense. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bash Knicks for that, right? It's just, that's part of the scheme. Uh, that's one of the things that makes Oregon successful always is they always have these great electric backs out of the backfield. That's a strength of theirs. They're going to keep doing it, right? They can't wear those uniforms without it, right? Like it's just part of, it's just part of their identity. Um, so that's a little bit about that. Uh, speed scramble ability though. We didn't really talk about that. This dude can run. I was really impressed with his running. Uh, I think, no, he's not Jaden Daniels. I think he's a step below that. Uh, but I would say that he's very competitive. We talked about how, um, uh, Drake May is a good scrambler and has has good speed, better speed than probably a lot of people think. I think Bo Nix is right there with him, if not a little bit better. Yeah, I, I really like his scramble ability. It's underrated because he's not the he doesn't have the most athletic builds. A little stocky, a little sturdy. Uh, kind of looks like yeah Baker Mayfield, but then when he takes off, it's 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 more than that. It's maybe not to what I would call electric mobility, but it's 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 a part of his game that you have to respect as a defense because he will make you pay and has no qualms about doing it over and over and over again until you stop it. Um, and so that's another factor in his game that can really open things up for his offense and the pros. It's something he leans on, but at the same time, he protects himself. He's a smart runner. It's not just about his athleticism. It's about protecting yourself for the next play, right? You don't see him lowering his shoulder or throwing a stiff arm with his throwing hand uh, just to get three more yards. He he picks and chooses his spots, knows when to slide, knows when, knows how to keep himself out of dangerous situations when he is carrying the football. So he's got that down pat. He's, again, five-year starter, like you mentioned. All of these little things... Uh, about the game, he has really developed uh, as a part of his sort of repertoire, both through the air and on the ground, like we're talking about here. He's he does those little things right. Yeah, exactly. And then let's just jump into the numbers a little bit here. So six two, two hundred seventeen pounds. Like you said, he's going to be twenty four years old in February. We talked about JJ McCarthy, so it's still twenty, right? They're four years apart. That's something you need to keep in mind. Five year starter, three with Auburn, two with Oregon. Most starts in NCAA history at quarterback. There has never been a quarterback in NCAA to start as many football games as Bo Nix. So you talk about experience. I think that he does play like an experienced quarterback, but the progression is missing, right? Like that is something that is kind of strange to me, but it could be the scheme, right? Like he could go to the NFL and it's different, right? Like he goes to a different style offense and maybe he figures it out and he's successful there. I don't know, but it's something I'd keep my eye on. Um, one thing I really liked about his numbers, when you look at them, it is a solid upward progression throughout. So he started out, like you said, at Auburn and struggled 64.4 grade in 2019, 66.4 in 2020, but then 2021, 76.6 before transferring to Oregon, where he had a 79.2 last year and a 92.7 passing grade this year. So again, always got better, continue to improve. I think the touchdowns versus big time throws kind of shows that maybe his touchdown rate is a little overrated, right? He had 45 touchdowns this year versus just 20 big time throws. So maybe some of those throws were gimmies. We saw a lot of running back screens that went for touchdowns. So just it's why the PFF numbers are so important to look at because it does give you that context. Average depth of target. Although to be fair, that could be a part of him pre-snap where he's putting himself in a situation where he doesn't have to make a big time throw to get a score. So that's true. 
it's a game of ping pong. You can go back and forth on this, but but yeah, it it's it, it's a good point to point out, and that's why stats aren't everything. That's why Timmy Chang wasn't a first round pick at quarterback. Um, even though I freaking love watching him in college. Just throwing that out there. You can continue. <laughs> Didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. I love it. Average depth of target, six point eight. So again, we're talking about a lot of running back drop-offs that lowered that number tremendously. And it is much lower than the other other quarterbacks that we're talking about in this class. And then 2.44 time to throw insane, right? Like easily the best of the class. It's a wild number that honestly, it just isn't sustainable at the next level. He will never be able to do that at the next level, but depending on the offense, you know, he might be in a position where he's getting the ball out quickly. Still, I could see him being in an RPO type offense and being very successful. I think that's what he needs probably. Uh, Just again, it's like the, it's a little situational dependent. Yeah. uh, When I watched him, two things came to mind. The first was actually he looks like a Shanahan quarterback in that everything is rhythm. Hit the hit the back of my drop. Okay, get rid of the football based on what I'm seeing just quickly, right? And then allowing my receivers, my playmakers to get yards after the catch, rhythm throws, anticipation, and then a little bit of that playmaking ability that just kind of is the cherry on top of that Sunday that opens up the rest of the offense. And then the second thing was RPOs because again, He's an if-then player, right? And that's essentially what an RPO is. If, crash, then throw, yada, yada, yada. So he's that if-then type of player to where um, he can execute those RPOs at a high level. He's definitely you know, used to that uh, through his time in college. And then, again, everything, just anticipation, rhythm, quickness. The longer the play goes on is when things start to break down, unless he uses his his legs at that point to scramble for yardage. But as a pure passer of the football, the longer the play goes on, the less chance you have a, of success um, with Bo Nix. And then getting to like the person, right? You talked about how he's a very likable guy. Valentine's Day is next week, Ray. Where are you taking him? <laughs> Great restaurant. Or sen- Senior Bowl. Eugene. Senior Bowl. Is, yes, he is actually. And I think actually one thing I wrote down to, to point out is that we're going to see Bo Nix back to back with um, with Michael Penix, I believe they're on the same squad in the senior bowl, which is, which is perfect. That's what the scouts want to see. You want to see those two guys back to back. Their styles are so different. So just to see the contrast up close and personal, I'm actually a big fan of. They're different, but the, their strengths are similar, right? It's like the, mm-hmm. the deep thrower, the big time throw, the, uh, the runner when you need to strong bodied guy, like both of these guys are not huge, but when you watch their film, they look like they look like dudes out there. Like they look like big guys, but six two two seventeen. like in terms of NFL quarterback, it's middle of the pack. Yeah. If the six, two is legit, which we'll see at the combine, sometimes six, two is actually six, one or six foot and a half. You know, you, you never know for sure, but um, yeah, six, two, two seventeen on paper is what you're looking for. Who's the most disappointing measurable you ever saw. Um, we haven't gotten Olu Fashinu's hand size yet. We'll get that in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. They're um, small or big? Disappointing. Small. So, oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got little hands. Yeah. I'm just throwing them out there like that. Just, I'm, it's going to be for the world to see in a couple of weeks in Indianapolis. So, uh, mm-hmm. just that that might be the the that, that's just one that that came to head initially. I don't I don't know. Dude. I don't, what I see the the measurables come in, and then after that, I just I just forget about them after I start seeing them play football. So, all right. Well, great answer. Who's Mine's yours? Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman, he was listed at like 6'2", 2'20", mm-hmm. 
And I was like, yeah. oh, this, like the way he played on tape, you're like, oh, that's 6'2", 220. This guy's going to be fantastic. And then he was like, just six foot, like 200 pounds, like soaking wet. And it's like, oh God, yeah. His stock fell yeah. deep after that. There's been a lot of disappointment uh, surrounding surrounding that one overall, but yeah. Comps, I want to know your comp. I said more mobile Baker Mayfield with a touch less mastery post snap, but I mean, it's he looks like Baker Mayfield if you were to just put them in a generic football uniform side by side and watch them play football. He looks like Baker Mayfield. Okay, I don't think so, but okay. I think okay. it's like, like I, I'm like the helmet scouting is sometimes real because we talked about how like the oh, Lincoln no. Riley quarterbacks are all the same, right? Like they all have very mm-hmm. similar pay style. Like Caleb Williams has a lot of Kyler Murray to his game. He has a lot of Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield. Like there's a lot of that. There is a lot of Justin Herbert in Bo Nix's game. Like you see a lot of the same things. You see the big time throw, the big arm, again, big body guy kind of mobile. I think you're just not giving Baker Mayfield enough credit. No, yeah, Baker, that's, that's Baker's Baker's footwork was so much better. Like, and that's, I talked about that last episode. Like that's I thought fair. Baker's footwork was some of the best I've ever seen. I don't see that at all about Bonex, right? Like he does have good footwork, but it's, it's not the same. It's not even in the same realm. Um, but yeah, I get like they're, they're gunslingers. They, they like to use their bodies as weapons. Yeah. They, there's some of that to it for sure. Yeah. Um, you're right. First two, first two seconds of the play. Bo Nick's footwork, great. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, that's when that's when you see the difference between the two. That that that's a fair that's a fair observation. Right, right, okay. But that's all I really had on Bo Nix. Um, I think we're gonna we're gonna do a full QB episode now, just kind of talking about how we think this class is structured, who we think the top dogs are, where we would rank them, how we think they rank compared to other guys in other classes. Right, like we're we're doing comps, but I don't think Bo Nix is Justin Herbert. Right, I'll just say that right now. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk more about where we think they fall in terms of like the other quarterback classes. Um, I think just like as a little teaser, the only thing I will say, I actually think I have last year's quarterback class above this one, which I think is a little controversial. And I think a lot of people might disagree with. I think this one's definitely deeper, but I do think that there was better high-end talent in last year's class. That's going to take me a lot of time to process. I I, at first glance, I would disagree, but that's because of how I feel about the top of each class versus the depth. So we may have complete opposite takes on this whole deal, when we, and, I, and we're going to get into it during our quarterback episode, I guess. Um, so I will just take the opposite side of that coin. Okay. All right. We'll get into it. But any last Bo Nix takes? If you were to sum them up in two sentences, I might say three. Um, he's a five-year starter, as you mentioned, right? Pre-snap looks like a five-year uh, a five-year starter. Post-snap, not so much if it's not there initially, and that's my biggest worry about his ceiling in the league. Everything else, he has done a great job of improving, but that aspect of his game. I don't see it yet, and that's a worry because I'm of the belief that some of that is innate, and if you don't have it by now, then when? And that's my concern with Bo Nix, but outside of that, I think he's a gamer that you can win with uh, and has shown improvement, so you 
you got to bank on that trend continuing overall. Um, good player, fun player to watch. He's going to get, he's going to be a starter in this league. The question is, can he evolve and grow in that starting role? And that'll determine how long he remains a starter. I like that. I think the only thing I'll add is I think there are going to be teams that fall in love with both Michael Penix and Bo Nix because of their leadership. You can see it on film. You can see it, like you said, pre-play. These are guys that know how to lead football teams and have done so for more years than almost anybody else in college history. I think teams are going to fall in love with that. Um, so I do expect these guys to be highly coveted, even if the play doesn't always warrant that kind of a response. That's it. Yeah, I, I think he he's going to his pro career is going to be longer than his college career. You think so? It was a long and it was a long <laughs> college career. I'm saying for him, it was a long college career compared, compared to true. most others. That's true. Like he, he his 401k already has like two hundred thousand dollars in it. It's pretty yeah, good. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. If you haven't yet, please give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at all twenty two underscore PFF, and leave us a review wherever you watch or listen to your podcast. And have a great day. I love ghosts.